Today on Consequence, Eric Weiss talks about the social stigma of being a UFO nut. I definitely took a look at myself and said, am I going to become one of these people that you know, are standing on the street corner of Roswell, New Mexico with some self-published book trying to talk to everyone that walks by? This is Consequence, true stories about false things, presented by the James Randi Educational Foundation. I'm Brian Thompson. On Consequence, we look at the harm caused by believing in pseudoscience, superstition, and the paranormal, and let the victims of those beliefs share their stories with you. Today, I'm talking to Eric Weiss about his trip to Roswell, New Mexico. Eric was a UFO enthusiast inspired by the late-night paranormal talk radio show Coast to Coast AM to see for himself where an alien spaceship supposedly crash-landed in the late 1940s. If you're not familiar with the so-called Roswell incident, here's a brief, cheesy intro. On July 8, 1947, the U.S. Army claimed to have found a flying saucer. He had some dead aliens out there. Sixty years later, the debate is still raging. It's right out of a 1950s science fiction movie. It's perfect. I have to believe this was something from another civilization. I'm absolutely convinced of that. Did the U.S. military recover extraterrestrials and their spaceship? Something did crash. Something was recovered. The government still has it in its possession. If true, the U.S. government has kept one of the greatest secrets in history, that we are not alone in the universe. Pretty amazing. Unless you believe the U.S. government's official explanation that the alien spaceship was really a downed experimental balloon and the recovered bodies were actually just test dummies. But Eric's trip to Roswell turned out not to be very amazing at all, and it made him question some of the things he'd heard on Coast to Coast AM. We get pretty deep in discussing our mutual fandom of that show, but first... I wanted Eric to tell me how he decided to travel to New Mexico in the first place. I was living in uh, Northern California, and I, uh, I was a big fan of the Coast to Coast program with Art Bell. Um, and I was moving back to Texas, and I decided as part of my road trip, I would make a stop in Roswell as a to uh, do some investigation of my own. Let's talk about Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. That's the classic Coast to Coast AM. In fact, I just call it Art Bell. Right. I don't cotton to this George Norrie fella. No, no, definitely not. What was so appealing to you about, about the Art Bell show? Um, originally, it was just how crazy it was. Um, he never questioned anyone, anyone's story. Uh, everything was just accepted as fact and uh, people were allowed to just go off on the craziest uh, ideas and conspiracy theories and mystical happenings. Yeah, it, it was fascinating to me to listen to that show over the years. This was maybe, I guess, the mid and late 90s or something, I think is when I listened mm-hmm. to it the most. And he would have these shows where it would just be three hours of talking to a single person in great detail about a story that was just 
out there. One that comes to mind is a gentleman who claimed to be a part of the Philadelphia experiment and all of these yes. various experiments that, that, that came out of that. And you listen to this, and this guy has so many fine details. Like he talks about the, the make and model of the various equipment that they use to make their time machine cloaking device for this uh, World War II warship. And, right. uh, and it, it's, it's very easy to get sucked into that. Did you, did you come at the show as, as someone who was a believer or someone who was skeptical of it? I would say, you know, when a new, new subject was brought up, I would just dismiss it as crazy. But he would, you know, over three hours of talking and then they'd have the person on weeks later. You just start to believe it because you just hear it over and over um, without anyone questioning it. The callers didn't question it or Bell didn't question it. So you started to believe it as fact. You heard it so often. What was your exposure to Roswell through Art Bell? Who was the, the guest that you heard? What was the story you heard? And what, what parts of that story seemed oh. so compelling? Uh, well, I mean... My favorite guests were definitely uh, Richard Hoagland. Um, I don't know if uh, Eric Von Daniken was a guest ever, but they definitely talked about him, and I, I read his book, uh, Chariot of the Gods. Um, so it was just, you know, Roswell is the place to go when you're, uh, when you're into aliens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always <laughs> thought that the, the alien thing is the most believable of anything that it gets lumped into sort of paranormal or anything you'll find in the, the New Age section at your local bookstore. Sure, yeah. Because it makes sense. It's, it's, it makes right. sense that there would be other life forms out there, and maybe they have some technology that we don't understand they're able to visit. That doesn't seem insane. Um, Correct. Well, To that point. Right. So, so what is it, where does the Roswell story start to fall apart for you? Um, it's, it was just more of, once I arrived there, it was the, the downtown area, if you could call it downtown, is just a tourist trap. It is, um, you know, uh, probably 75% of everyone looks like a comic book guy from The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone is rabidly discussing their theories and what they believe is the truth, um, you know, I had lunch at the UFO Cafe, uh, and uh, the UFO uh, Museum, uh, quote-unquote, uh, which everyone talked about on Art Bell like it was, you know, the equivalent of the Smithsonian, was such a letdown. Uh, it looked like it would have been made by five-year-olds in a gift certificate to a craft store. <laughs> Everything um, had googly it, eyes on it. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, Made out of pipe cleaners. Yep. Uh, It it was just so disillusioning and and disappointing, really. It was, was, I don't want to uh, put down the people of Roswell, New Mexico, but it's just a tourist trap and a a letdown, really. I remember hearing about how, uh, I guess, shortly after the Roswell incident, uh, they had invented transistors and how it was such a giant step for technology and that we were uh, we were figuring things out from the technology we found at Roswell. Um, and that, you know, in a, 
I was interested in computers back then, and I thought that was just like the coolest thing that you know we're all, all using alien technology and and mankind is advancing because of this yeah i I remember hearing about that too and i didn't have any any sort of uh actual knowledge to back up or 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 uh or discount (laughs) those stories but it sounded really good to me at the time so how invested were you emotionally in this idea i mean did this did this spark um a gradual breaking down of all of your beliefs and everything related to UFO research and aliens and everything? I think it before then it had started to kind of uh, wane a little bit, uh, but this definitely kind of put the nail in it. it uh, I, I definitely took a look at myself and said, am I going to become one of these people that, you know, are standing on the street corner, uh, of Roswell, New Mexico, with some self-published book, trying to talk to everyone that walks by. Um, yeah, it, it definitely gave me pause and and made me think about what what I was investing myself in. Yeah, you definitely don't want to turn into one of those obsessives. That's the type of person who starts a blog with a black background and and right. green text or something. Uh, X Files yeah. uh, theme MIDI file playing. Yeah, I mean, it seems it seems it can seem kind of trivial to uh, mm-hmm. to talk about that sort of thing, but it is it is something that can take over your life. I know it certainly did for me. I was a big, big, big into Art Bell. I mean, I I believed just about everything I heard on that show, especially mm-hmm. if it was somebody who who was a guest who was on multiple times, like you said, and you get that repetition and you get that those details that aren't easily explained away um right i remember being terrified of alien abductions i remember being scared that that aliens were trying to to grab me and snatch me at night i mean right did you ever did you ever think that that was a possibility i definitely thought it was a possibility um but you know it seemed like it happened to so few people um that i wasn't that scared of it but i was definitely searching for you know possibly seeing a ufo or you know something like that um i i wanted to be one of those people you wanted to be abducted not abducted but see a ufo or you know see uh you know drive down some dark uh road late at night and see a bright light and my car turns off and you know um i don't know what happened to the past four hours that sort of thing. Yeah. So how much time and money and emotional effort do you think that you spent on, on this pursuit? Uh, time, quite a bit. Uh, you know, Art Bell was on, what, three hours a night, four hours a night? Mm-hmm. Um, and I probably listened to him every night I could. Uh, and, you know, I became kind of that jerk who, you know, when people brought subjects up would say oh that's not really the government just wants you to believe that here's what really happened mm-hmm. um and so yeah emotionally it, it affected me and the the people around me i guess yeah it wasn't so much money uh you know i bought a couple books here and there um a detour on my road trip but that's really about it so what what do you think the appeal is of of having this this secret knowledge that not everything is as it uh, appears to be. 
Um, well, the appeal is knowing is that you know something that the general public doesn't, um, that you have the answers, um, when in fact really all you have is really more, more doubts and questions, but, um, you know, it's kind of self-delusional to, and you think that you know what everyone else doesn't. Yeah. So, so how does this manifest in your life when, when you're, when you're enmeshed in these beliefs and you're second guessing everybody and telling everybody that they don't have all the information? I mean, do you, did you get thrown out of a room, tossed out a window? Not that bad. Um, I remember quite a few times uh, in the dorm at at uh, college, uh, just sitting around uh, chatting and just repeating the things I had heard on Art Bell and people just looking at me like I was just some idiot, uh, <laughs> which I, I was at the time. I was just repeating just, you know, lines from Richard C. Hoagland and, you know, it was I, w- I wasn't a uh, fun person to be around for most people. I was that weirdo in the dorm. Yeah, let's talk about Richard Hoagland for a minute. He's he's a really interesting character. Um, Indeed, so he's got this he's got this sort of vague background. Um, he claims to have been a science advisor to NASA. Uh, that he was personal friends with. Carl Sagan, and I believe doesn't he does he claim to be friends with um, with Walter Cronkite or something? I had not heard that one. Oh gosh, interesting. There's so many layers to this backstory, but um, but he got famous for um, for talking about the face on Mars. So right, uh, what what is the face on Mars? Uh, there's a photo from the early days of. Uh, mars photography uh and it's just it's really just some rocks that form a a shadow light and shadow make it look so vaguely like a face um and he claims that uh only intelligent life could have made such such a object yeah he he claims that that he has access to special proprietary photographic imaging techniques if you go to his website, I think it's called Enterprise Mission. Um, you can see all of these these analyses of this photo, which is from um, one of the uh, Viking orbiters, I think. Yes. Um, it's very low res. It's it's very easy to see how this could. I mean, it does look like a face, um, but it's easy to see how it could it could possibly be an optical illusion due to. Uh, the lighting and the the resolution of the camera, that sort of thing. In fact, mm-hmm. NASA later went back and took another photo of the same area, higher resolution with different lighting, and it's it's pretty clear that it's just a pile of rocks. But um, but if you go look at these analyses, he 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 puts together. He like comes up. It's ha- sort of half in shadow, mm-hmm. and he comes up with this uh, this method of determining what the half in shadow looks like and he ends up deciding it looks exactly like a uh, Egyptian style headdress on yes uh, a possibly half human half feline head um <laughs> but it's 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 very compelling because you go and you see all these photos and it's not just the face on Mars there are these structures that look like 
like uh, four-sided pyramids, tetrahedrons. You hear the word tetrahedron quite a bit on enterprisemission.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not 19.5 degrees. Um, hyperdimensional physics. I mean, these are all just like, there's this right. whole this whole mythology that's that's formed out of just this one little photo right yeah um did you have you ever have you always been been the type of person like i mean i know i'm definitely this type of person who gets sucked into into mythologies in general like i guess it's what is that there's a word for um uh dorks big dorks (laughs) yes yeah yes i am a big dork yes (laughs) So, like, you get sucked into, like, the lore of Star Trek and... Uh, yes. and Right. There's a whole story behind what's just shown on TV. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think... That, do you think that there's a similar appeal there? You think that's that's what it's about? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit sci-fi. It's a little bit fantasy. It's a little... Um, add in some documentary-like uh, reporting. And, uh, yeah, it, it's it's primed for you know any kind of not super educated science geek to to fall into that trap Mm. well the one thing i've noticed in following all this stuff over the years is that we're always just right on the verge of full disclosure right just months away (laughs) any minute the government's going to come forward with all their knowledge of ufos or uh, an alien space spaceship is going to land on the White House lawn or something. Um, right. There's this idea that that in the conspiracy world that all of these little things, all these little things that come out, like if NASA is all powerful and knows all of this stuff about aliens and is able to cover all these things up, then why would they release this photo of a face on Mars in the first place? And there's this idea that they do this on purpose to sort of plant the seeds to gently inoculate people sort of like if they were to drop it all on on the public at once there would be mass riots and the government would be overthrown but if we if we give a little bit at a time people will get used to the idea so do you, are you still are you still waiting for full disclosure or did i mean how many times do you are you <laughs> I, I promised? think we all are well yeah of course <laughs> But it, it it does it does sort of wear on you. I think, like looking back on my personal experience, anyway, it seems like uh, that's one of the main things that shook me out of these beliefs is the fact that all of these deadlines kept getting missed. Yeah, yeah, deadlines, promises, and they there's always some sort of conspiracy or reason why it didn't happen as they predicted. Yeah, what do you think is the explanation for? For Roswell, going back to that, um, there are all these books about it. There are all these people that claim to have been a part of it, people that claim to have seen alien bodies, people that claim to have talked to people who had seen alien bodies and uh, all of this stuff. Where do you think this comes from? Where do you think is the the explanation for this? If it's not a true story, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to make any assumptions here. (laughs) Um, Well, I think in the case of... um the city, it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's pretty far out there. It's not near anything major. Um, so it's kind of become kind of a mecca for 
I don't want to diagnose people, but um, there were definitely some crazy people there. Um, and people that want to be part of the story. Um, you know, they they got sick of just telling people about it, uh, what they had heard and what they've read. They want to they wanna live it. They want to be part of it. Hmm. So how much how much harm do you think that these kind of taking these things very seriously uh, can cause? And I know that that's a, it's a huge broad thing. Uh, uh, there's, a, there's a broad area of subjects we're talking about here. Everything from UFOs to time travelers to all this stuff that's covered on shows like the old Art Bell Show or the the current Coast to Coast AM. Right. Uh, what do you think is the? Do you think that there is harm in it? I guess maybe we should just start there. Do you think it it hurts people? It definitely has the capability of hurting people in their personal relationships. Um, if they're spending a lot of money on books and these, you know, horribly produced documentaries, quote unquote, um, you know, there's there's potential for harm there. Um, you know, are they hurting their um, their health or anything like that? No, but you know, it's a it's kind of a almost like a lifestyle. You you just don't go in a little bit. You 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 start living it more and more. Do you think that it's it's easier now? I mean, when when I was listening to that show, um, the internet was around, but there wasn't quite the amount of of social interaction that there is now. At least it wasn't as easy. Um, do you think that it, it could be more dangerous these days to sort of put yourself in a feedback bubble? Um, where you just aren't exposed to anything but these things that you decided are true? I think the the potential is there to, you know, um, the stereotype of, you know, sitting in your, your parents' basement with in front of a computer and just replying on these message boards uh, all day long. Um, but at the same time, uh, I think it also allows you to get it out of your system a little bit easier um, and expose your, get exposed to uh, different uh, points of view easier um, through the internet. Because right? if you're just reading the same books or um, hearing the same people talk over and over, um, you're not going to get that other opinion that you might if you do a Google search or something like that. Hmm. So what did you... So- what did you think you you were going to find when you went to Roswell? What what did you expect? I expected um, some sort of uh, professionalism. I guess would be the closest word. Um, not just you. I'm looking back. It was so naive of me, but not just using the uh, supposed alien crash as a marketing gimmick for every little thing. Uh, I was just thoroughly disappointed. You know, there were uh, storefronts that just had shelves of books, um, like two copies of each book, uh, maybe 50 different books, and that was their store. Uh, you know, and, and things like have a jewelry store having aliens up in the window and you know a a business that has nothing to do with the roswell incident it was just uh off-putting to me i guess can you think of anything positive that came out of your your intense interest in these kind of things these sort of paranormal things from art bell 
Well, looking back, I think it was funny how I dismissed certain stories so quickly as just absurd and how I, at the same time, accepted even more absurd things at face value. Uh, One of my favorite stories that was on Art Bell quite a bit was Mel's Hole. Oh, yeah. uh, The the infinite hole. Um, (laughs) And I I remember thinking, this is so ridiculous. Uh, This can't possibly be true. This is a funny story. And then they would have someone come on and talk about, um, you know, aliens visiting them in the middle of the night. And uh, I would believe them wholeheartedly. Like it's it's just odd how I thought one was absurd and one could be so normal. That is interesting. Mel's whole it's just there was some guy. It didn't he claimed to be? A, if I recall correctly, he claimed to be in the Pacific Northwest somewhere, but it was very kind of vague where he was. And right. somewhere on his property, he had this hole that there was no bottom to. He couldn't find bottom to the hole, and. Uh, there were all these theories that maybe it was a hole to some sort of underground hell dimension. Like, see, you could, there were recordings of of demons screaming from deep right. down. Right. The they hole. had. Uh, they had. I remember hearing they had thrown a bunch of garbage in there, and uh, you know they'd never heard it hit bottom. And finally, they they did lower a tape recorder down in there eventually and they got all these demon sounds coming up and they thought it was a they decided it was a pit to hell yeah and uh and i believe nobody's been able to find who mel is or where this property supposedly was nobody's been able to track down mel's hole which is just (laughs) such such a such a disgusting name for a thing (laughs) i wonder though if 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 that was easy to discount because yeah i don't think i ever took that idea very seriously and now i'm wondering if it's because there's no there's no story there there's no mythology there it's just a this is a thing that exists you either believe it or you don't there's no backstory do you, do you think that might have something to do with it i i think you hit the nail right on the head there it was just a guy that called up and said i've got this infinite hole <laughs> and that was the story but they kept checking in, like he would keep calling in every all the time, so often with updates on his infinite hole. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I. It's it's interesting because when we talk about these things, we talk about the potential harm there, and, and yeah, I took those things totally seriously. I, it probably damaged some relationships um, with other human beings at some points in my life, but I really value that show a lot i and i think that um i think that the the thing i don't like about george nori first of all he just doesn't sort of going back to that mythology thing he doesn't seem to have the same sort of mythological uh, baggage that art bell has like art bell is such a strange character doing his show from a trailer in the middle of the desert and uh you know yeah, he was one of those really like old school, died in the wool radio guys. He would, he would. I think he's he may still be a ham radio operator. Yeah, he was always really dorky about um, about technical radio stuff. I think that's why the the Philadelphia Experiment story. He was so interested in it because it had to do with these uh, radio frequency generators that were supposedly. Uh, accidentally turned into time machines. Um, I remember him going into great detail about frequencies and things like that. But um, 
but yeah, he was this sort of larger than life character. And he also had this 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 way of talking to people without questioning them, but also without making himself seem like he was an eager believer. Yes. Yes, that definitely was a skill of his. Yeah, George Norrie, I think, sometimes crosses that line into somebody who's really excited to believe the things that are said, above and beyond giving some somebody a forum to say weird things. Um, I think George Norrie comes across as what would happen if an Art Bell fan had a radio show. <laughs> right. Right. And uh, and I think that the show suffers from that. It's it's not as entertaining. But uh, there is there is a value to it. Like it would be, a, it, even though there's the potential for harm, I think it would be a shame if, if a show like that went away. Or maybe, maybe you disagree. I think there definitely is, uh, I don't want to say value in it, but... You know, when you listen to talk radio uh, nowadays, it's all uh, arguing. And Art Bell didn't let that, didn't argue with the guests. They laid everything out and they discussed it seemingly intelligently. I guess there is value in that on on the air today. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I I guess it's for other people to decide. Um, Yeah. But I think it, it... there are there are probably people who have turned themselves into characters on Art Bell just as sort of a performance art type thing. Uh, oh, there were definitely tons of those. Just to screw yeah. around, especially because in the old days there were no call screeners. It's just, you know, first, right. first come, first served. Do you remember when uh, someone called in uh, and pretended to be the main character from Half-Life and described the plot of Half-Life, <laughs> the video game, yes, I do. to Art Bell? I do, I do. And he bought it hook, line, and sinker about uh, experiments gone wrong, and yeah, there were. Uh, that was one of the classic calls because uh, he would sometimes just open. He would have like open lines for time travelers, who are uh, right, or open lines for um, ghost stories. Ghost stories, and yeah. So, so t- sometimes, it, and it just sometimes it was just open lines for anybody to say anything. I think that was one of those nights. There was another famous night. I was listening live when this happened, and uh, it really did freak me out. There was a guy who called in, and he was very upset, um, like in tears or on the verge of tears. He sounded like he was calling from a payphone or something, and he said he was on the run from the government. And yes, I. I remember this. I believe he said he was an employee of Area 51 or something. and Yes. And he was just trying to get out as much information as he could before they triangulated his position. Uh, he said something about how aliens aren't actually extraterrestrials. They're extra-dimensional beings. And, uh, and then he gets really panicked. And he's like, I don't know what's happening. And then he starts to cut out. And not only did he cut out, but the entire radio f- transmission went black right for a good long while it was like 10 or 15 minutes at least uh, a, a lot of aspects of, of of the military establishment particularly the area 51 uh the, the disasters that are coming they the, the military i'm sorry the, the government knows about them and there's a lot of safe areas in this world that they could begin moving the population to now, Art. But they're not doing, they're not doing anything. They are not. They want the major population centers 
wiped out so that the, the few that are left will be more easily controllable. And then the story later was that um, a satellite or something malfunctioned. It was some sort of satellite issue. Uh, and everybody, of course, was just going wild with this. And mm-hmm. it got to the point where the guy who originally called uh, called back to admit that he was just playing a character. And uh, he, he, was, he didn't expect this coincidental satellite malfunction to happen. And he was a little concerned that his call may have freaked people out a little bit more than he thought it was going to. For some people, that admission was just part of the conspiracy. Exactly. For, I mean, you don't know. You don't know if that if that's part of the conspiracy. You don't know if the whole satellite story... I mean, if this whole thing was just staged from the beginning with Art Bell's knowledge as, as well. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of... I don't know. I think that's, that's, that's interesting. There's nothing else like that on the, on the radio. Oh, definitely not. So where do you think this... We talk about this occasionally on this show, but where do you think this idea of personal responsibility comes in when do you think the line is crossed from um, someone being an adult human being who's capable of listening to something and and deciding for themselves whether or not it's true and someone going on the art bell show or a show like that and saying something irresponsible that makes people believe it i think um you know the art bell show is form of entertainment um he doesn't get his audience you know riled up or tell them to do anything so i think he's fairly responsible on that i think the responsibility is on the guests the people that are invited on who just spout just stuff they know is not true um and and pitch it as the truth um and i i think they're the ones really doing harm um, I guess, in a sense, Art Bell kind of shoulders some of the blame for giving them the platform for it. But at the same time, that's why people tune in. That's all the time we have for Consequence. Special thanks once again to Eric Weiss. You can find links to Eric's numerous projects, including the online skeptical directory Skeptics on the Net at txhoudini.com. If you've been harmed by pseudoscience, superstition, or the paranormal, and you want to share your story on the show, please get in touch by emailing consequence at randy.org. Consequence is a production of the James Randi Educational Foundation. To find out more about the JREF's mission to promote science, skepticism, and critical thinking, just visit randy.org. That's R-A-N-D-I dot O-R-G. Consequence is produced by me, Brian Thompson, and our music is by Planet Shifter. Thanks for listening.